You're listening to Late Norman Talk with Jonathan Weiner and Chuck Austin. Unscripted and real conversations with business leaders and marketing pros. We are back in the studio with my pal Chuck. Now, Chuck, we have a special guest today, right? We do. We do. Zach Wyatt with Carolina Farm Trust. And Zach is a good friend of mine. How you doing today, Zach? I'm doing real well. It's been a long time. I'm glad to kind of catch back up and meet you guys. So, Zach, you're in Huntersville right now. You've been living in Huntersville for how long? Uh, well, I live in Cornelius, but Cornelius, right on the line. Right but, here uh, in Yeah, but we've, we've been here for five, six years, seven years, okay, something like that. Okay, great. So, tell me about Carolina Farm Trust. How did you get this thing started? It kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, just kind of a lot of transition career-wise, kind of in, you know, the 2013, 2015 kind of time frame and, uh, you know, kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, uh, you know, with my life and career-wise. And I grew up on 300 acres in a very rural part of Loudoun County, and uh, there was a few um, events in, that kind of happened in the kind of the agricultural world here and uh, the Lomax farm over in Concord uh, lost their funding and you know kind of heard about that and uh, I think we all are kind of aware of how screwed up our food system is but we don't really like to admit it or want to know more uh, and then I made that adventure to know more and once you know you can't unknow uh, you know so uh, there was just a lot of holes kind of working with our small farming community and, and felt a impulse to go fill that hole okay i got you so it, you grew up on a farm yeah, it wasn't working thank goodness it wasn't but a working it was farm, still right. it was still uh <laughs> i was still yeah. working my butt off every day though right so so from uh the idea of starting carolina farm trust take me from there like how did that start is it you and a group of people or how did you you get this thing started well you know uh I was uh, just kind of doing some research and they had a, a lot of TED Talks in Manhattan, you know, kind of in the spring of 2015. They were really kind of talking about our food system and the challenges and uh, all this stuff with industrial ag and factory farming. And uh, But uh, there was a, just an overwhelming communication of hundreds of million dollars uh, being spent in lobbying, litigating, policy, advocacy, and education. And it was just for me, why aren't we working with our small farming community directly to get them what they need? Uh, it's very apparent once you kind of start talking to a few farmers uh, within minutes, you'll understand that business 101 just does not work. Um, you know, it's almost asininely ridiculous to say, okay, I want to be a farmer if you're not in it or haven't been uh, born into it. Uh, but to stick with it, it's, 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 it's almost an impossible feat. Uh, I mean, the regulations are too uh, extreme. Uh, the margins are too thin. The infrastructure is, is just out of this world. Uh, you know, so it was just kind of, uh, kind of understanding that and then kind of talking to a few farmers and then making, uh, commitments that I had no business making and then needed a vehicle to go do it. Um, you know, so I approached a few other nonprofits and kind of had an idea, uh, you know, they weren't really too interested. So I found a nonprofit attorney and six weeks later we were ready to go. So kind of like, give me your 30 second elevator pitch. You know, who you guys are and really what do you do? Well, our mission is to protect farmland, foster an ecosystem of sustainable farming, and build the next generation of Carolina farmers. Uh, so really the macro goal uh, is to really work with our small farming community directly, get them what they need from the land, infrastructure, marketing relationship, whatever we can do to kind of increase revenue and, and profitability and, and sustainability with them 
understanding that the profitability part of that equation is the number one. Um, you know, you can't be sustainable without being profitable, uh, you know, but it's very expensive to be sustainable. Uh, you know, so it's kind of looking at all those factors and then kind of understanding uh, how much social capital is all involved with that, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, really kind of trying to understand all like kind of the, the soft measurements that we've kind of really lost as far as, you know, kind of what it means just to cook with your family or hang out and kind of slow down a little bit. Um, you know, what does shopping local really mean? Uh, you know, looking uh, with the economies and how food and agriculture really intertwine with health, new, health and nutrition, environmental, climate change, you know, social and political issues. It's just so amazing on how all that stuff just is intertwined together, interlocks. I mean, you can't talk about one without the other. So really what we're trying to do is really make a very big systematic uh, change in our food system uh, that we hope uh, the byproduct of that uh, will be a lot of uh, social change as well. So do you guys provide resources for farmers? Are they your customers? Are you like a business coach in the sense? No, not at all. Okay. No way. Sh I mean, <laughs> and when you talk to farmers, you, they don't like to be told what to do. Uh, you know, like most, and that's not our role at all. Um, you know, it's their farm, you know, you know, they, they're the expert, uh, the way we, we sit on the side of the table is how do we make that happen? Uh, you know, we're still very young in our life cycle. Uh, when we were only three and a half years old, so we're still very much trying to grow as an operation. So, I mean, just for example, what I'm working on right now is I have a, you know, a, a farm, uh, north of Winston-Salem, uh, that is enclosed to foreclosure. Uh, she's, you know, she might lose the farm, but she has a piece of equipment that another farm that's coming up who wants that piece of equipment. And if I can figure out how to raise the money for one farm to buy the piece of equipment on the other farm, we'll help her keep her farm. <laughs> um, you know, so it's not my, it's not our role to kind of go in there and analyze that thing to death. It is just, okay, how do I kind of figure out how to make that happen? Are you, are you guys a for-profit business or are you a 501c3? We're a 501c3, ah, gotcha. yeah. Okay. Uh, the big part of the, uh, the nonprofit model in this is we're wanting to play where the margins aren't. Um, you know, we need to make sure we're playing in that space and, and the distribution is kind of the hard part. Uh, you know, so we want to make sure that the farm has their margin to be successful uh, without the end price being too out of whack from a consumer standpoint. So who would be, as a 501c3, where you can solicit donations at a pretty large level, who would be the idea, ideal excuse me, uh, target for you guys to aid in your efforts? Uh, you know, pretty much anyone. Uh, I mean, the, our approach, we're trying to long-term be uh, revenue generating on our own uh, through Carolina Jubilee. We have a docu-series called The Farm That Feeds Us. We're trying to get off the ground. Uh, there's another revenue stream. I we have some ideas around that we want to create. And then, you know, then it kind of comes back with, uh, you know, the rank and file, you know, how can we get five, 10 bucks a month uh, to support what we're trying to do? Uh, you know, then the affluent, uh, you know, then the, our corporate sponsors, and then obviously the grant community. So really, you're helping them purchase equipment, lease equipment, purchase land, lease land. And those are the types of things and then helping them market themselves, it sounds like. Yeah, very much. I mean, going into this and, you know, really kind of back into our, you know, past relationships with work. I mean, marketing's everything. Uh, when you look at the major conglomerates in the world, you know, are their products really all that great? Mm, that's up for debate. Uh, you know, but why are they so successful is because of the marketing engine behind them. Uh, you know, so... Just like for a quick example, we got uh, 11 acres under lease with the Carolina Farm Trust over on the Union County, Mecklenburg County line. 
Um, and now we're turning around and subleasing it to uh, an African-American farmer over in West End Charlotte, and he has a group of young farmers that he's uh, kind of bringing up to speed, and uh, it's really kind of taking his operation to a whole new level, uh, which is just really kind of cool to see. Yeah. So there needs to be kind of this middle player that just wants to really be the facilitator, and that's kind of the role that we want to play, and but we want to blend it into the background. Uh, you know, and let the farmers take all the credit and all the, the glory and, you know, putting them up front. And that's kind of the key with the branding. Right. So has farming been lost to the big corporations, the big ag um, facilities? Is that is is that kind of overshadowed the small farmer in ways in the past? Is it harder for them to market? Because if you're inside of like a city center, let's say Raleigh, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, Charlotte, a lot of times the only connection you have with a local farmer is just going to the farmer's market. You think that that's it, right? And you really don't have a vested interest or have an interest in that because we live in a fast-paced society now where we're just going to the grocery store all the time. Mm -hmm. And the farmer's market is a cute little thing to do every now and then. So is is that part of the struggle or part of the the hoop to jump through for some of these farmers to get their stuff out there? Oh, absolutely. And it, you know, it all comes, you know, down to time and a supply chain and a distribution system. Uh, you know, I mean, it's our food system right now is really controlled by, you know, four or five conglomerates more or less. And, uh, you know, and then a whole distribution and supply chain that has kind of come out of that, but it's also, kind of imploding on itself. Uh, you know, you can't even go buy romaine lettuce, you know, at the grocery store. I mean, there's uh, constant recalls uh, with ground beef and, um, you know, and with this bigger focus with the younger generations on climate change. And I would say the industrial ag complex is probably the number one uh, contributor to climate change that no one wants to really admit. Um, I mean, what Smithfield and some of the chicken integrators do uh, make the coal ash problem that Duke is non, a non-starter, um, you know, especially kind of when the hurricanes and everything kind of come out. Uh, you know, so it, more and more, I think people are trying to understand, uh, you know, really on a health kick too. Uh, I mean, hell, my grandmother is 87 years old, and even in her community, they are really trying to focus their diet now because they can't afford the prescriptions. So it's really kind of coming full circle slowly but surely when people have to make changes kind of based on, you know, what can you trust? You know, I mean, it's, it's really hard to go to that grocery store now and trust what you're buying that's not going to make you sick or any long-term effects or, and stuff like that. So uh, our whole mission in, and, um, is trying to build this relationship directly back to our farming community. Uh, you know, so, uh, and the accountability is there, you know, if you get, you know, your eggs from Roland Row Farm or, uh, you know, or Barbie Farms and something happens, you know exactly where to go. <laughs> right. Grocery store, you have no idea, you know, right. I mean, and, you know, I mean, they all get in trouble for organic versus non-organic, you know, all, all those, all those games. And I was like, oh, well, we didn't know. Uh, well, when the, the system is that huge, uh, it also comes from a supply chain. I mean, do we really want you know, the needs of survival. I mean, that's, I mean, our bare minimum three, 4,000 miles uh, for the bulk of the food that's, you know, shipped here. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out any disruptions in there and how fragile that is. And, you know, we don't have one. Right. <laughs> so tell me about Carolina Jubilee. This is your all's big event every mm-hmm. year. It's a big music festival. Uh, well, we hope it to be been? big. We're, we're, still, huh. we're still growing. This seems pretty big to me. So how many years have you been doing this? 2019 will be our fifth. Okay. Uh, which I can't believe. 
Gotcha. And so um, it, tell me a little bit about what that day is like. To, you know, that, there's two days actually, right? Yeah. I mean, when we were looking, you know, why make things simple and just have it one? Let's make it two. Um, so, yeah, we've been doing it two days from, from uh, beginning, which was our first uh, was 2015. Uh, we, I knew we needed something that was going to be very um, mass appeal uh, and also something that uh, would live our mission. And really what we're asking that rank and file population to do and is make a big behavioral change. No one is making a behavioral change, getting preached to from the mountaintops or guilted into it or whatever. You got to kind of make that on your own. Uh, so it's just something where we get people up that love music, love camping, uh, and then we can kind of control what's there. You know, so you're going to have to try a, a, a North Carolina a brewery or a North Carolina vineyard or a North Carolina distillery. I mean, you're just going to have to because there's nothing else there. Right. Uh, you're going to have to try food from a North Carolina farm that the North Carolina chefs are doing. So, uh, you know, to be kind of a vendor or involved with it, you have to be from the Carolinas. The, the bands are a little bit outside of that, but, uh, you know, but from the, the vending standpoint, it's all kind of Carolina based and uh, really there to kind of, you know, celebrate the region and kind of what we're doing agriculturally on a very subtle level, uh, you know, so people can have fun. If they don't care about our mission, that's fine, uh, you know, but the goal is over time, hopefully they, they care and we'll ask some questions year over year. So go back earlier because I'm, I'm just naive to this, mm-hmm. um, probably like most. Um, I go to the grocery store. I pick out things with colors around the perimeter of the store right? Um, and stay away from the processed stuff. Um, but even in the produce section. Um, there's lots of, lots of vegetables. And like you said, some are re, uh, recalled a lot and, uh, or there's some outbreak of this and, you know, you're kind of limited. So then you see the organic section, which all I know is that it's smaller and way more expensive. Right. What, what should I know that I don't know? Uh, there's so much misinformation and, you know, the more I would probably say is me giving more misinformation out. Um, I mean, it's just so convoluted. Um, I mean, you know, half that stuff's from Mexico. Um, you know, do I trust the organic cert coming in? No, I don't. Um, you know, they have dumbed down the certification so much anyway. What does it really mean? Um, you know, different councils have different metrics and, 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 uh, you know, so it's all, uh, the marketing part of organic has just kind of ruined it. Uh, you know, so really it's a judgment call on that you have that uh, you have to make and the judgment call we've made is our produce pretty much comes from the farmers market i mean i know i know who we're buying it from um you know we're trying to kind of get them um you know the infrastructure slowly but surely so we can have a true regional food system i mean right now there really isn't an option for cereal you know i mean you know it, it sucks but there there's really not an option so i mean for us i mean i got five kids and you know, it's just a necessity. Um, you know, we didn't, we don't really have a uh, direct access to milk. Uh, that's really something that we're really trying to uh, figure out something in 2019 or 2020 to make sure that we can have a direct access to a dairy. Um, you know, so it's just, you know, you kind of take, uh, you know, it into your own decisions when you kind of go. I mean, it, it's, there's really no right answer or wrong answer. Uh, it's just all convoluted and you just, that you just don't know. So, Putting that aside and just let's talk convenience because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people's day and age with kids, family life, work, hobbies, it's all a matter of convenience. So, um, sure, it's, is it hard to flip a switch and say, okay, I'm only going to shop at the farmer's market forever and never go to a grocery store? P- 
probably that's a little unrealistic. Oh yeah. But what's a good, you know, what do you recommend in your, in your experience as a good blend to kind of, uh, you know, avoid some of the things you're talking about and support the local, uh, farmers in addition to getting higher quality <laughs> nutrients in your diet, but then, um, you know, also needing the grocery store that's around the corner, uh, for certain things. Like what's a good, uh, balance to, you know, in terms of a weekly shopping uh, quest? Well, I mean, the balance now is it's going to take work. Uh, there isn't a easy option, uh, like there is just going to, you know, uh, the grocery store or, you know, Amazon prime. That's part of the challenge that we're really going to try to tackle. Um, you know, I think it's just, it's, I mean, it's scary, but it's also cool that every single industry that we're facing is, is going through this revolution. And, um, you know, the, the model of how we get goods will be completely different in five years. And I think it'll be very delivery, mo- you know, delivery is only going to increase, uh, you know, and that's part of a role that we're hoping to kind of step into that uh, we can make it easy uh, because it's not about just saying you need to do this because it's the right thing to do. What do we all, you know, I always love that kind of uh, the cartoon where you have the sidewalk L, uh, that was the engineered design. And then you see the grass and then the cut through, you know, that cut through. And it's just like, you know, the, you know, what we want to do and what we, everybody does. Um, you know, so that's kind of part of the trick that we're going to have to try to fight it, create is create that system uh, where you truly can do it from a local standpoint. And it's also easy. Great. Zach, thanks for being on with us today. And if people want to reach out, uh, learn more about Carolina Farm Trust and Carolina Jubilee, where can they go and how can they contact you? Uh, well, all my contact information is on our website, which is carolinafarmtrust.org. Uh, Carolina Jubilee is September 27th, 28th of this year, and that website is thecarolinajubilee.org. Uh, so we'll be um, getting all the bands and stuff like that announced probably in the next two to three months, uh, and we're excited for the five-year anniversary. Thanks for coming on today, Zach. Thank you for having me.